0: This episode is brought to you by the Kicks and Giggles Podcast merch. Um, my name's Angela Blando, and if you don't know who I am, now you do, because I just told you my name. And if you don't know what my merch is about, then give me about 30 seconds and let me explain. It's got a picture of me in a cartoon version right on the center. I'm holding up both of my middle fingers, and they're both painted because it's a thing I like to do. There's some sneakers in the background, and it's pink, and it's blue, and I'm just going to show it off even though it's reversed. Um, Kicks and giggles podcast merch. Man, if I knew the fucking guy that uh, that sold these, I would go to him. And if you want to find out who sells them, Go to Angelo under, uh, Go to Instagram and type in Angelo underscore Blando and send that fucker some money because I I heard he's got a quite a bit of merch left over. Um, this episode is more of a. It, this is one that you could relate to. It's it's not so much about dildos. I'm not talking about weird things that I think about during the day. I'm not getting weird. It's very normal. So if you're, you know, my girlfriend's family. If you are my family, kind of the older folks, the 60 and up group in my family, um, a teacher, a fucking someone I met that you never really decided to look into my shit and now you want to give it a chance. This is for all the... This is for the the most for the people episode I could do because everyone likes to talk about movies. Everyone likes to, you know, see what you want to recommend. Everyone is fucking lonely in this world and they sit in their bed sometimes and just can't do anything else other than turn something on and just get their focus off of maybe the mental hell that they're living in. Um, So this one's for you guys. I have done, I did like a, a really, really shitty movie episode before and I talked about maybe six movies and I didn't really hit any of them that well. It was just poorly done, so I've been I've been wanting to do a redo of this for a while, and uh, now with the whole top tens of the decade title, it's pretty clickbaity, and I can at least break them down and go through this with you. I think this episode might run 45 minutes in its own, so I'm definitely not going to be talking about shoes today. I do have a lot of shoes to fucking bring to the table with all these 2020 sneaker pictures that are coming out, all these leaks. So that's gonna be coming ne- next episode. I'm gonna do a bigger sneaker portion because we're gonna skip it today. Now, when it comes to these this top 10 list, all right? I'm gonna go through some of the top 10 on like lists that I found online, some of the worst 10s that I found online, and then we're gonna talk about my opinion of the best and worst, and then what you guys talked uh, sent me. I'm gonna go through a little bit of a kind of a collective. We're gonna see what we could find that we all, af- all agree on, okay? Um, I'm gonna start off right off the bat. I have a kind of a dark, not a dark, I have a dry sense of humor. So a lot of the things that might make you laugh probably don't make me laugh. For example, I laugh more when I watch YouTube videos that involves like dubs or Good Neighbor stuff or Good Mythical Morning. I like that type of funny humor. And when I turn on like SNL, especially now, most of SNL bits don't make me laugh. And they're like, it's the same shit and it's not funny. A lot of like TV shows that people think are funny that don't really, they don't do it for me. Um, I feel like there's a TV style humor And then there's a YouTube-style humor. I think I I go with the YouTube because TV has a lot of clean humor and it's a lot of like, I don't know, like dumb. You know, like he has glasses on his head and he looks at his brother and he's like, where's my glasses? And then everyone's like, oh man, this is so so much fun. It's not fun to me, all right? Nobody's, I'm not fucking laughing. That's not funny. Put your glasses on and stop looking like an idiot, okay? Uh, And when it comes to, okay, that's that, right? So there's not a lot of comedy here. And comedy's hard to judge because it's so like, you might think a joke's funny that I don't, you know? Um, so right off the bat, not a lot of comedy here in my list. I'm a scary movie fucking fanatic. I love horror films. I love twisted shit. And I definitely am a I got a little sucker in me for sad movies. So when it comes to movies that I watch, I like sad or scary. I'm a two fucking route guy. I also, oh my God, I can't explain how much I don't like animated fucking films. When I was a kid, you know, Toy Story is like a must. Monsters Inc. is a good one. Monsters Incorporated I think it's called just Monsters, Inc., Finding Dory, that was it. And those were three of them. Oh, Finding Nemo. Those were three of the franchises that I liked. Other than that, I was out. Um, so there's not going to be a lot of end game. I don't like, I don't like movies that you have to know 12 other movies to understand the full part of one movie. So when it comes to Marvel, I'm absolutely out because in the most recent Marvel movie, there might be, a uh, egg easter egg that is about fucking the first spider-man that was ever made which there has been 350 of them made so for that reason i'm out not into fucking lord of the rings not into harry potter i don't want to do 70 movies for one story i'm a good one movie guy maybe a trilogy and that's it you know and then it's just stop um right off the bat i want to say that one of the best like franchises of the decade, in my opinion, for scary movies, is I like the whole Annabelle fucking nun and Conjuring. I like how those all like tied in together. I think that was really awesome. It's like seven movies, and they kind of all have something to do with each other. Um, Annabelle is a is a top one for me. I'm not I'm not, I'm not starting off my top tens. I'm just saying that's a series that I was really into. A series that I was really not into was the 18 Fast and Furious movies that I can't, I can't imagine how different those movies are. You know, they just, and another thing before I get into these lists, last thing, for all the people that like to hear about sexual stuff, I know there's a lot of you guys out there, the sexual episodes I do have way better numbers than the other ones. People like to talk about sex. I love to talk about sex. I like to get weird. But there's a there's a trilogy, I think, or a four set of these 50 Shades of Grey movies. And I get if you're a girl that is like, hasn't, been with a guy that's like kinky or wild. You go see that movie and you're like, Oh my god, he's slapping her! Oh my god, this is crazy. And then, like, she fucking puts a vibrator in, and all the girls are like, Holy fucking shit, I'm gonna do that. We totally have to fuck now. I wanna, I wanna fucking try stuff. Let's do that. And for the guys that weren't kinky before they saw those movies, and they're like, Yo, let's get some Benoit balls, babe. I'm gonna fucking. Let me just say that is if you think those movies are awesome, then you, then, I don't know, man. Then that's your own thing. It's not, I like to take lessons from a movie or take something from a movie. And if you watch a movie about sex and you take from it, like, oh, I could put a dildo in my ass. I, by the way, didn't you love how I say, don't you love how he said this fucking episode was going to be clean 10 minutes in, I'm already talking about shit. All I'm saying is the fucking Fifty Shades of Grey, that's on my worst fucking movie of the list, okay? All of them. The whole series is on my worst, all right? Now I'm gonna shut up, and we're gonna do this in a structured way, and I'm gonna try to keep it clean. Sorry, sorry Nani and Papa for uh, kind of ruining that that part. So, top movies of the decade, this is from a list. I'm gonna go through them pretty fast here because, I mean, what do you, you could Google all this shit, right? It's, I wanna get my part out. Inception, uh, the Marvel series, Cinematic Universe, which there was eighty-five movies that came out there. Drive, Beasts of the Southern Wild. These are just some random ones. Parasite, Short Term Twelve, The Lego Movie. That's why I, already, I. That's why I don't like to talk about it. Like when it comes to lists, because the Lego Movie is definitely like we all know that that's not a top ten of the decade. It's actually rated number ten um, Mission Impossible, Get Out, that's a good one, Moonlight, Her, Exit Through the Gift Shop, 21 Jump Street, that was a great movie, I have to admit, Mad Max, The Social Network is number one, okay, those are just a few movies that are on the top tens, I'm not going to dive into them yet, because I want to just read, give you guys a a gist of what people are thinking out there, the worst movies of of the decade, um, Fifty Shades of Grey Trilogy, The Emoji Movie, which was a joke. Oh my fucking God. I don't know who made that movie. I'm pretty sure Emoji was their own brand. And then they sold to Apple. And then they made a movie, which was like the smiley face emoji and the poop emoji. What a fucking dumb idea for a film. Let me look up what it got. The Emoji Movie, Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, did they think that people were going to go in there and like and love it please tell me it's not high yeah a seven i got a seven i remember seeing the trailer or the like the pictures in the mall and thinking like that's probably a joke right and then people were like dude the emoji movie is actually funny and i was like all right we're gonna gonna just fucking stop talking to you after today cowboys and aliens any adam sandler movie that came out within the past 10 years was dog shit i agree the Abraham Lincoln movie, I could I could bet on that one being horrible. I've never seen it, though. Um, this Means War, Valentine's Day. Wow, Valentine's Day has Anne Hathaway, Julia Roberts, Jamie Foxx, and Bradley Cooper, and it's in the worst ten. There's just a handful of the worst, okay? Now you're getting a feel for the best and the worst. I'm purposely not diving into these. Um there's a top 10 best and the worst of what people said. Okay. I asked you guys to get a little bit more of a, I don't know my, what my listeners think. And first of all, I want to say, this is my girlfriend's top five. Okay. I love my girlfriend with all my heart. And I, I think her list is awesome. Okay. She, uh, she wasn't going to give me a list because she made a claim that I shit on all of her answers. She said like, whenever I respond to something, you like shit on me and you like make fun of my answers or you're mean about it, which I don't fucking really agree with. I thought it was a pretty nice boyfriend to you, but you know, maybe you disagree. So Nadine's list is, um, the conjuring is up there. Shutter Island, Mamma Mia 2, Insidious and Get Out, and then Bridesmaids, which, okay, listen, I haven't seen Bridesmaids, but I know that the only person that would ever get me to laugh on SNL if I were to watch it would be Kristen Wiig, and she plays a big part in this movie, so it's probably really good. Um, And and I know that people love that movie, so, uh, you know, that's a great list, okay? Insidious, I fully agree with because, oh, I don't know if I'd put it in my top ten, but it's definitely, top ten scary movies of the decade, I would put it in. Not my top ten entire movies, but... Insidious was awesome. I remember Insidious while watching it. It's good because it really gets you invested in the story. And the story is like partially real with fucking Lorraine and all that. So I don't even know what her name is. Is that even the same fucking movie? That like seven movie mix up. I get so lost in like the characters from Annabelle and Insidious. I did get lost in it, but... The first one, I remember seeing it and loving it in the theaters. Get Out was a great movie. Get Out's on my top ten, actually. Um, I'll explain why there. But my girlfriend's list, guys, can we all agree that what a great list? I mean, she's really something special. And I'm so happy that she shared this list with us because I love it. Um... A lot of people said, here's popular opinions, like I asked all of you guys to give me five of your top movies. I wanted to get some like averages, see what like multiple people said. I got a fuckload of A Star Is Born, okay? And I just wanna give a quick thing. I did see A Star Is Born. I did think it was pretty bad, okay? Now, here's something that kind of affected me watching this movie. I watched it with a girl and she sang all of the songs um, while we watched it. And uh, first of all, I don't like musicals and second of all, I don't want someone singing right in my fucking ear for an hour and a half. So there was two things I instantly didn't like. and uh, and yeah, don't sing in my ear while I'm trying to watch a movie because now I have to deal with two things I hate. So it, I kind of got a bad look at it. but I just remember hearing Bradley Cooper do his western voice and he was like, I'm, uh, brother, I need to go back in t- I need to go back in time. He didn't say that, but I just remember looking at Bradley Cooper and hearing him do this Western voice and like something didn't work out. You know, I hate that. I know that they're actors and you're not supposed to think it's Bradley Cooper, but I just couldn't buy it. It just, it didn't do it for me. There was a couple scenes where they're singing with each other and I was like, holy shit, that's sweet. But then on the side of me, I hear like, and uh," just right next to my ear from this girl I watched it with. And I was like, God, can I just listen to them fucking sing? Back, get away, back up a little bit, huh? And ruined it for me. But it got a lot of stars born. I got a fuckload of end games. It, one and two, which I heard that the second one is dog shit, but the first one was really good. There's this kid named Jack, I think his name is Jack Grazer or something like that. He was one of the actors in that movie. And he's gone on to do really good movies, and he's only like fucking seven years old. And uh I think he's gonna be like top shit when he's like 25. Um, so that movie put me onto him and I'm a big fan of him now. and it got some young talent in there. The it2 trailer looked pretty good with like the grandma that's naked that does this weird fucking walk. but everyone said like it's three hours and it' sucked. So that's I don't have an opinion on the second one, but the first one definitely. Frozen. Here's why I didn't watch Frozen, okay, because I don't like little kids, really, and I don't, I'm trying to not just shit on everything that isn't my top 10 list, because I know that's very, like, one-sided of me, but, like, you have to, I would like to think that my 10 movies are movies that anyone could watch, and I don't think anyone could watch Frozen, because it's animated, it's a fucking musical And like, it's very little kiddish. It's just very seven to 10 age group. I don't think a lot of older people could watch that and like really get into it. I don't know, maybe that's just me. I got a lot of Mad Max. I remember when Mad Max came out, people were shitting the bed in in joy because they were so happy about it. Um, And I got a lot of the Joker. Now, before I get into, actually, I'll explain that. That's that's all, okay, that's what the people said. Now here's where here's where we're going to go from from what I thought my top 10 were. Number 1 and I'm going to this is not in order. I'm doing it in chronological order, I tried to at least. So in 2010, the social network came out and this came out like kind of right after Facebook was like peaking and starting to like really get fucking millions of users. I think Facebook like hit its peak, not its peak, but its first of many peaks in 2008 or 9. Or seven. And, uh, when the social network came out, it, it like literally clicked in my head that like, I need to start grinding it out. Like I need to start fucking making money. It taught me a lot about, it really taught me a lot about business because the whole, th- the social network is a story of Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, um, how he kind of like stole this idea and would spend his nights like grinding and like creating a website and, and coding in his in his dorm room and created Facebook, but like kind of stole it, but also created it. And then it has to do with the lawsuits that he went through and how he got it to be this huge thing. And it taught me a lot about a kid being in a, in a college dorm room and just like fucking grinding it out and not giving a fuck about other people and just really like focusing in. Um, and he dropped out of fucking college. So, for that that movie, that having all those things in there, and there was a lot more. But not only did it like inspire me to try a lot harder in my business, but it really made me decide like I'm not partnering up with anyone because of how fucked I saw that movie was, and like some people really get screwed over. Um, it's not like the simple reason why or the single reason why I only do business on my own. But it gave me a heads up of like, people could fuck you pretty bad. Like whether it was sharing my ideas or telling people like, hey, let's start selling shoes together. Let's get a team of people. Like now I have a handful of people that I talk to that work in the same like business as I do. And I rely on them even a lot of the times. But if I were to ever open up my own business, which was something that I did when I was like, 13 or like, no, like 16 with a vape company. There was plenty of kids that were like, dude, I could fucking make the liquid. And then uh, Johnny will do the website. And then you do this. And like, we'll each get 20%. Nope, not fucking doing it. And during that movie, there was a lot of, a lot of things I learned about negotiation. Okay. Now, now years later, as I was starting this like sneaker business, I had sat down with a guy that's very close. This is just a quick story. I'm not going to dive in that deep with all of these movies, but this is a pretty important one. I sat down with a friend of mine's father that happened to be a multi, multi, multi multi-millionaire, like three figures and then the million, you know, like hundreds of millions. And um, he sat down and I got to meet him, which was super dope. Um, He's not like a super famous rich guy, but he's just filthy fucking rich. And I had never met someone in that caliber of living before. So for like an 18, 17-year-old kid to meet him was pretty unreal. He sat down and gave me his time of day and asked me about my business. I I explained to him, you know, I resell shoes and I have these plugs. This wasn't when I was really like doing it a lot too. I explained to him, I have these plugs that get me shoes and I could get 50 at a time. All I need is more money to like front and I explained to him the whole business and why I needed money. I wasn't even necessarily looking for an investment, but knowing that he had this much money and knowing that I'm a fucking hustler, I figured I'd just explain to him in a way that kind of called for help. Um, we sat down for like 30 minutes and, or 45 minutes and he ended up saying like, hey, I have a fucking offer for you. And like all of a sudden, my little world turns into a Shark Tank episode. And he was like, I will give you like a, it was like a hundred thousand dollars or $75,000. And I'll help you fund this business. Like I have a warehouse that you could order shoes and get whatever the fuck you need. We could stock like thousands of pairs in this warehouse. I have people that will help you get a storefront if you want. And like, I'll write the check and help fund that. Um, He explained to me, he would help me travel and like all of this shit. This guy's got like private planes and all this shit. And I was like, holy fuck, like this is my, this is it. This is my break, you know? 16 years old, grinding it out with sneakers, and now I got a fucking billionaire almost that wants to help me out. And I was like, fuck, like thank you so much for even showing interest. Like this is unreal. I never would have expected this. And then he hits me with, which I don't, I'm not complaining here, okay? The guy's got a lot of fucking money for a reason, okay? He's not, He's not the type of guy to just give away money. Clearly he's a saver and clearly he's smart with his money. So he offers me a fucking pretty interesting deal. He goes, I get 33%, meaning him. Uh, My son gets 33%, meaning his son. And you, meaning I, will get the other 33%. So in this business that I have not even created, but really indulged in and learned and studied and mastered for my age. Um, I come to the table and I get this offer for a lot of money and a lot of fucking ex- expansion. And he offers me a deal that puts me at 33%, which means I am just fucking out, basically. And now there's a two sides of this. One side is I'm completely right and I should never give away that much just because I was young, just because I knew how to make money. I shouldn't give up that much of this business that could have turned into the next StockX or GOAT because if it turns into a multi-million dollar business, I could be getting singular millions and they're making tens of millions because they have way more than I do. And any say in the business could be overwritten by them and I get fucked. So that's one side. The other side is, and you should have taken it because You know, like 100% of a grape is not better than or bigger than 30% of a watermelon, whatever that fucking saying is. So it's like a portion of something that could be billions is better than 100% of something that's tens of thousands. But because of this movie and this like inspiration I had to like do shit on my own and like grind it out. To this guy's face, I was like, "I was like, no, man, I'm not doing that." I was like, "I'll take 51, and you and your son could split the 49." And he was like, "I'm not doing that either." And I was like, "Well, we got a fucking interesting time then, didn't we, buddy? Sorry, because I just couldn't. It's just like, no, nope, I'm fucking 16. There's like the sky's the limit. I don't want to sign anything away, especially something that's more, you know, I don't know. So the social network helped me out with that deal, um, and. Helped me be a lot more self-aware. And like when I fuck up, I fuck up and it's on me. It's not 30% on me and 70% on my partners. Fuck all that. Next movie was The Town. This also came out in 2010. This is an action kind of movie. If you haven't seen The Town, it's with Ben Affleck. I don't really want to explain. I mean, okay. It's about... It's a mixture between an action movie and a romance movie. Um, Ben Affleck is part of a bank heisting fucking group, bank robbery group, and it takes place in Boston, and they all have Boston accents, which makes the movie a lot more badass, and uh, like one of the opening scenes is they go to rob a bank, and while they, they have these masks on, they pull up to this bank, that scene is like iconic because it has this nun mask that has like a hood over it, and it's just like a very iconic mask, I've never seen it anywhere else, Um, They pull up, they rob this bank, and he holds one of the bank tellers hostage and has her go in the safe and open it. And while he's doing this, he's realizing like she's fucking beautiful. He just kind of falls in love at first sight. And she never sees his face. And then following like the next few months, they run into each other and he starts kind of hitting on her, making this move. She's talking to him like in bed about how traumatized she is, that she got held hostage and all that. And little does she know there was fucking him. Then she finds out it was him. It puts a wedge between the relationship and a lot of it fucking... And then, I don't know, see the rest. Well, yeah, just watch the movie. This movie fucking... Like, I don't know what it did for me, but one thing that it did... This is the only thing I would explain to you because it's probably funny to some people. There's a line in this movie where after all these lies that he's told her, he finally, like, in his last effort to get this girl back... Um, he's telling her like, I, I fucked up, you know, I I lied a lot, I know, but like, please give me another chance. And she says, how could I ever trust you? Like, how am I ever going to trust anything you say? You lied every single fucking time. How could I ever trust you? And he, and he says to her, because you'll fucking hate the answers. And then she fucking like, that's it. Meaning like if you ask me if I shot someone that you know, yep, I'm gonna tell you to to your face. If you ask me if I cheated, I'm gonna say yes. He just came clean with this like extremely honest fucking dish that he hands her And I remember this is kind of fucked up. It's not something to be proud of. But after I saw that movie, I fucking did some sketchy shit with my girlfriend. And then I used the same line with her. She was like, how could I trust you? Like, you cheated on me, blah, blah. And I was like, ask me anything and you'll fucking hate the answers. But at least, you know, I'll I'll, I'll be honest. And in the moment, I was like, dude, I'm fucking Ben Affleck, kind of. And then I was like, no, I'm not. I'm just a shithead kid that cheated on my girlfriend. So... Something to take from everything, right? Uh, number three. Now, I don't have any movies for 2011, 12, or 13. I think those are just shit years, in my opinion. But 2014 was Gone Girl, another Ben Affleck movie. I'm not even a big fan of him, but I realize that he's in a lot of really good movies once in a while. It's probably how acting works. Um, Gone, Girl is, Gone Girl helped me realize... This is all I'm going to say, because there's a lot of spoilers you could give away... It's about a husband and wife, the wife goes missing, and you could figure out the rest. That's all I could say. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, it, It taught me about how fucked up women can be. And this is not only against women. So all you feminists that are like, what the hell did he just say? Chill. Sit the fuck down. All right. Men are extremely fucked up as well. This movie taught me about some moves that a woman could pull in my life that I would never expect, and how it could brutally fuck you over. So, from from 2014 moving on, um, I really started be investing in condoms. And I really started making sure that everything I said was consensual. I mean, I, this was like 2014, I was probably like 14 years old. No, I wasn't. 2014, I was 16. And I think I saw it like at the end of 2014 when it came out but moving forward in my relationships i i literally remember like 20 fucking 16 2018 being in relationships and thinking like if i say this or if i do this she could flip this whole fucking thing on me and i won't have anything to say cuz it's her word against mine it put a really big like perspective on like you got to fucking watch what you do and say and how you do and say things, because they could flip on you. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's been something that I've said on this podcast that someone could flip against me, and it'll fuck me over in 10 years. But until then, I'm going to hope that I'm doing good. 2015, Focus came out. This is a movie with Will Will Smith and Margot Robbie, um, I don't know. It's a fun movie. I didn't learn much. I don't have much to say about this one. It's about a couple that they fucking pickpocket people together and they also fall in love. Will Smith is really smooth in this movie and it taught me how to be a smooth fucking guy when it came to, I don't know, scamming people, which I don't do often. I've actually never really scammed. You know, I'm sure I've probably done some fucking bad deals, but if I ever want to pickpocket people, I literally know how to because I saw this movie. And it's a, it's a romance drama type of movie, but the ending sucks. But the beginning of it, I, I thought was a, the first 80% deserved a spot on my top 10 list. So Social Network, The Town, Gone Girl, Focus. Number five is Creep. Now, these are all 2015 and later. From 2015, like I started getting into scary movies a lot more. And scary movies have had just a fucking grind and a peak that they've never really had before. Um, You know, scary movies in like the 1990s and 2000s were all, and probably way fucking earlier, they were all about like this monster or like this guy that's going to fuck me over, you know? And which I I understand the old heads appreciate Freddy Krueger and scream and michael myers and all that shit but from 2015 actually a little bit earlier like paranormal activity days and which i think was i don't know 2011 2013 from paranormal activity moving forward they brought in this whole kind of new like this there's an entity that is fucking everything up in this movie it's not so much like a person or a character or a thing it's like ghosts and the air is fucking everything up and that really became a big thing in scary movies um especially like with bird box that just came out uh, like the air was the fucking scary thing in that movie so they kind of started dri- driving away from characters and more into like scary i don't know spirits and ghosts and like what the fuck is behind me because shit's moving we got into that de- uh, half of the decade, so I try to appreciate, I like more scary movies that have, like, a actual thing that is haunting whatever the person in the movie is, but number five is Creep. Now, Creep was one of, it's a, it's a Netflix movie, I think, and it's like, I don't think it was in theaters, maybe it was in, like, a few, but... It's a a movie about... It's very low budget. I've heard that it's under $1 million budget, which I love movies that are like handheld camera style, Blair Witch style movies, because sometimes when you have like the perfect angle in a movie that nobody's recording, and you have two of the main characters in the scene, and then something happens, it just... I don't know. It just fucking kind of doesn't get you as scary as if you're like... Like if you're in the fucking movie, right? If you're looking at it from a POV standard or a POV fucking spot and you're in the room where the fucking shit's happening and like it, the camera follows like as you're walking out of the room or running for your life, it gives a lot more of like a, like, holy shit, I'm really in this bedroom and I'm really fucking, there's really a demon behind me. That's what I like to get into. Um, creep was one of those for me, okay? And uh, it's basically about a guy. It's okay. There's a movie called, I want to, I think it's called like me or like the life of something. I fuck, I can't think of what the movie's called. There's a movie about a guy that he's getting cancer and he's dying and he makes this film for his son. That's like the son is not, it's unborn son. He makes a movie all about the life that he had and like teaching him how to do stuff and how to shave his face and how to take a shower and all this like goofy shit. It's really sad. And this is like a scary twist on that movie. I know that once I turn this episode off, I'm going to think of what the movie's called, but in, in Creep, a guy posts that he's like on his last fucking months and he wants someone to record him making a movie for his unborn son. He's paying $1000 and he lives in the fucking middle of nowhere. This guy finds his you what you get the POV of this guy. Finds this ad, goes to the house and fucking take it from there and some fucked shit happens. Um that that's up there for me. It's a scary movie and I like that the character himself, the the whole the guy, the host of this house and this whole idea of making a like, a movie based on his life for his unborn son, he turns into being, like, this creepy fucking, I don't want to spoil it, Um, but there's no CGI, there's no fucking entity, which I do like, but in this movie, it's delivered as a Blair Witch-style, like, raw, low-budget, scary movie, and I fucking love it. Highly recommend. Number six is Get Out, and Get Out was, like, I always say it's overhyped, but, because of how it's like politically involved and like it's a lot of like they they attack, not attack, but they acknowledge a lot of like real world problems with like racism and like our fucked up president and a lot of like real things that you see in this movie and as a scary movie, usually they don't really deliver like genuine lessons. Usually it's more of like, holy shit, that was scary. This character was cool. I would have done this and that's it. But in Get Out, you kind of fucking look at the world a little bit differently, and you like decide if you're going to be a shitty person or not, based on how you view this movie, basically. Um, It's great, and that like Daniel something, the, I don't know, I can't think of his fucking name, but the main character in that movie is like... Extremely British and plays off like a, a, and does an amazing American accent. I never even knew he was British until I saw his interviews, and that was like a big break for him becoming an awesome fucking actor because nobody had really seen him before. And for Jordan Peele as a director, this was his first horror movie, and people were like, Holy fuck, he's insane! And then he came out with Us, and Us was dog shit, in my opinion. But it was good for a while, it lasted. I really thought he was gonna make a good movie after that but he didn't, but big breakthrough for him, and it was big for the horror movie scene, I guess, because of, no, it was, because it really addressed real life shit. Number seven, now this is just a sad fucking movie. There's two sad movies on number seven that I'm split between, and it's just because I didn't want to put two sad movies in there. I just wanted to do one. Um, There's a movie called The Beautiful Boy, which was like in theaters for 10 seconds, and then it was out, um, it's with Steve Carell and this Timothy, I don't fucking know his last name, let me get it, because he deserves it, Timothy Christian, is that his name, nope, that's a fucking high school, why did it give me that, a beautiful boy cast, so this one hit home for me, okay, Tim- Timothy Chalamet, He's like people are fucking obsessed with him. And Jack Grazer is in this movie, The Kid from uh, uh, It. This movie is okay, here's why it's fucked up, all right? I've I've been I've seen some people do some drugs in my fucking life, and I've lo- I've felt like I've lost people to drugs in my life. That's all I'm gonna say. And in this movie, it's like it's just fucked. I literally cry like a pussy every time I watch it. I've seen it like four times, cried every time. It's about a father and, okay, it's two parents. They have, okay, let me explain. I need to like get my brain. I don't know how to explain this. So a man was married and had a kid, right? Then he got divorced, got remarried and had two more kids and still is with his wife. The kid from the previous wife becomes like a drug addict and He is extremely – Steve Carell is the father. He's extremely attached to, like, saving his life. And during this movie, you kind of see, like, this, like, favoritism for this kid. And it, like, fucks their relationship with his current wife. And she bitches about, like, why aren't you paying attention to our kids? You should be focused on our family. Like, if he's choosing drugs, fuck him style movie – And, man, it just really delivers, like, how fucking hard it is to, like, love someone that's doing drugs and how fucking, like, from both sides. Because you show, like, the kid's really trying to, like, quit. He's really doing good. And then he fucks up. And then he fucks up. So you kind of get an understanding of, like, man, it's got to be really hard to, like, be addicted to to meth. And then at the other side, being the father and seeing how the, like, little kids react, which is his brother's, You see, like how bad it affects people around you. It it really is. It's a real life thing that people don't like to address, and some people don't like to address it so much that they turn to drugs. But if you could take a fucking movie that will really fuck your mind, and like give you a open book to what it's like being either someone doing drugs or someone that has a fan or someone's family member that's doing drugs. I would recommend watching A Beautiful Boy. I think it's on Amazon Prime video for free, or you could buy it on fucking YouTube Red or some shit. But I don't think it's on Netflix, unfortunately, which sucks. But saw that one, hit home for me, made me cry like a pussy. And Wonder is about a kid that... Oh my God, Wonder's so fucking sad. Me and Nadine watched Wonder together, and both like we had tears in our eyes. The first couple times I saw Wonder, I cried, and then you get used to it. Wonder's about a kid that has a disease that is like that affects how he looks. Okay, I don't know what it's called. I don't want to say something wrong, but he has a disease that affects how he looks. Okay, the look on his his facial structure is is tampered with because of this disease that he can't control. And he's like 10 years old and he's going to grade school and you just see people like bully him and make fun of him and he gets to be best friends with a kid and then he walks in on the, his best friend saying like, if I looked like that, I would kill myself. Oh my God, it's fucking brutal. It's just so fucked, man. Such a sad movie. There's not really any spoilers because it's like, if you wanna cry your fucking balls off, Go watch Wonder, and if you don't cry when you watch Wonder, then you're a fucking piece of shit. My brother watched Wonder with me and didn't cry. Oh no, he watched A Beautiful Boy with me and didn't cry. Um, yeah, me and my mom watched Wonder together, and and she was crying the whole movie. I mean, it really fucking—it's just brutal, and it's so sad because it's like it's so real and it's so fucking. If you've been there, like any moment of your life, if you've been bullied or you've been made fun of, or if you've looked in the mirror and thought, like, I I look like shit or I look ugly, or for me, why are my teeth fucked up? Why does my skin look like shit? I'm so skinny. My fucking scoliosis. There are so many things that people do when they look in the mirror. Everyone, even if you think you're hot, I think I'm somewhat attractive, but man, when I look in a fucking mirror, I could see my flaws for sure, and... To be like, to see a movie about a little kid that thinks that, oh my God, it's fucking horrible. It it really made me cry. And it deserves a, a number seven spot on my list because the movies, like another thing that I look for when I watch movies in general is like, how invested am I in this? And do I care? And am I checking my phone? Because if I am, then I probably don't give a fuck. And like, is this story good enough to really keep me invested? And I didn't think about anything but this movie during the two hours I watched it and during the fucking two weeks after. So those two are my number sevens. And then coming up to 2018, 1920, we got Hereditary is just the best. I got a tattoo of it. Just the best fucking scary movie of all time. I can't explain why. It just is. And I've explained it before. Um... Tony Collette in that movie is fucking unreal. And how... she I think she's a method actor. I know that Alex Wolfe is, and he plays Peter in this movie. It's just a story about a fucking family that can't figure it out. And to twist everything, there's a demon involved and an entity that fucking overcomes people. It's just... It's too hard to explain in an easy way. If you like horror movies and you like psychological thrillers... Hereditary is the must-watch of the decade. I would probably put it as as number one or two or three, definitely top three. Number nine is a tie. Oh, these are actually before twenty eighteen. Number nine is a t- nine is a tie between the Purge and the Unfriended series. Um, the Purge series really turned to shit towards the end, but. The first one was awesome. I love the concept. Like, it's a very... It's kind of political as well, which is why it, like, it relates to a lot of people. But just this whole idea of, like, you have a full day to do whatever the fuck you want. There's no rules. There's no laws. You could kill people. Like, let your fucking rage out. That, for me, was enough to give it, like, a great spot. And and uh just, the, yeah, the concept of that movie. Same thing. It's not even as much as of how it's delivered, which I thought Ethan Hawke in the first one should have stayed acting because the actor in the third one sucked. I don't know what his name is, but, um, the whole idea of it and like the fucking masks that they bring out in that movie and the ways that they kill each other and like this kind of battle Royale fucking grind mode that they get you in. Like you, you got to survive. It's a survival in a horror movie. And I just thought it was so dope. So the, purge series i I put on there and then the unfriended series i love because it's like a very different style of horror movie it's all recorded on a webcam and it's all about friends that are just hanging out inside and they're talking on a webcam and the fucking webcam gets hacked one of the kids does some stupid shit and falls for a scam and everybody gets fucking murdered you know i'm just gonna spoil that one uh and they get they get murdered in like brutal ways though. And the things that you like the ways that you see them get killed are so creative. And doing it in a in a generation that's all about your phones and technology, if you know about like 10% about phones and webcams and shit, like you'll love this movie. And look, I have on my fucking laptop right here. I tape my fucking laptop. And it's partially because I saw that fucking movie. I mean it's more because I know about hackers and shit. But put a fucking piece of tape on your webcam and it really that movie makes you think like, man, I should not get into any fucking scams or viruses. I need to be cautious about what I do on the internet. and And they're just really fun. So those are fun series for me, both of them. Number 10, and last but not least, uh, midsummer is definitely in my top three or top five. Um, midsummer there, these scary movies that I put on here, I know that like Don't Breathe was really good, and Bird Box was really good, Super Dark Times was really good, and there's a lot more. And like Insidious, Conjuring, yes, those are all awesome. But the reason why I have these at my top ten is because Midsummer is—it's not like a scary movie you've ever fucking seen. And there are scenes in Midsummer that, like, you will probably never see anything like it again. Uh, I'm just gonna say. Someone kills them. Someone kills himself, and in such a fucked way. And they show it in such a clear, like, realistic way that it blows your fucking mind watching this movie. And it has a lot to do with like a relationship underline and like the struggles of a relationship. There's insanely good acting by Florence Pugh, whatever the fuck her name is. Um, it's directed by Ari Aster, which I love him to death. I can't even explain *Midsummer* and *Hereditary* in like a simple, like three-minute way, because they're just bizarre, man. They're unlike any scary movie that has ever been created. *Midsummer* is the top, one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen, and it's three hours long, and it still was like unreal, which is hard because when it comes to three-hour movies, it too couldn't fucking. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've read, it probably couldn't keep me interested for more than 20 minutes. Those are my top 10, okay? Social Network, The Town, Focus, Gone Girl, Creep, Get Out, A Beautiful Boy, Slash uh, Wonder, Hereditary, Midsummer, The Purge, Slash Unfriended. Hopefully you guys fucking see something. Hopefully there's something that you didn't see yet that you could listen to my recommendation and go check it out. If you do, please message me after and let me know what you thought because I could talk about these movies all fucking day. Um, honorable mention, okay, The Joker. I just watched it last night. I'm not into fucking Marvel at all. But with that being said, The Joker's a fucking 8.5 out of 10. And The Joker's actually so fucking like morbid and like sickening That I don't think it should have been in theaters. I think that the Joker was a little bit too much of, like, oh, I could really do that, and I could really kill someone this way, and like, hey, I kind of don't like how the system works. Maybe I'll just fucking heel turn against everyone. Like, it's it's pretty fucked up, and I love that part of it. I'm not saying it's too fucked up for me. I love it, but I think. After, especially after someone like dressed up and went into a movie theater and shot people up at the dark night, I think that the jokers, some some of the scenes could influence someone that's not fucking thinking right to do some really fucked up shit um, and almost like show you how to do it. So for that reason, I didn't put it on my top 10 because I don't think it's a good movie that people should see. or I don't think it's a good movie that some people should see. I don't know. I just didn't put on my top 10. You know what? I, it's in my top 20. How's that? But it's a great movie. Now, really quick, my worst five. Worst five movies of the decade. Number one, and it's for a simple reason that I can't get over, number one is El Camino. I thought that Breaking Bad was a fucking phenomenal series, the best TV series I've ever watched. I loved every single character in their own way, It fucking delivered. It made me cry. It made me jump out of my seat. It made me laugh my ass off. Everything, everything. It did everything for me. Now, it should have just ended the way it ended. But in El Camino, all I'm going to say is that the main character in El Camino is really fat. And he doesn't look anything like he did in the Breaking Bad series. But they're continuing. This movie is supposed to take place like right fucking after it actually takes place literally like right after one of the ending scenes in breaking bad like el camino starts off like right fucking after it so there's no like five years later and then they're doing the movie it's like a smooth thing but what the difference is is that one of the characters that was in breaking bad looks skinny and he looks fucking looks great and then in El Camino, he's a fucking slob, and it's like, how am I supposed to even get into this movie? He doesn't look the fucking same at all. It's like as if, it's like if Rocky One came out and then Rocky Two came out, and Rocky's obese. You just like have no idea why. And like, how can I? How is that the rock? It's not Rocky. How is that the rock? I don't know. It's actually that's actually not even a good analogy. It's shittier than that fuck El Camino. And it didn't have a good ending. I didn't think it was good at all. It, it's just, no, nah. El Camino sucked. It, it, It's not even because it was a shitty, like it's not, it was poorly made or poorly executed. It's just the fact that it shouldn't have been done. And that did it for me. Number f- two okay, on my worst five is The Nun I'm not even going to explain why. The Nun fucked the whole series for me. Annabelle 1, 2, Annabelle Comes Home was a little bit of a stretch because it kind of sucked. But The Conjuring was great. The Conjuring 2 was awesome. And then we kind of got pretty shitty because then like The Conjuring 2 was supposed to be... Or The Nun was supposed to be a follow-up to The Conjuring 2, I think. And it just sucked so fucking bad. Holy shit. So I hope they fix that series because The Conjuring 3 is coming out. They better... Do good with it. And the Crooked Man's getting his own movie, which I love. Um, Number four, Slender Man. Number five, The Emoji Movie, with an honorable mention of Bandersnatch, which is a a spinoff from uh, Black Mirror, which Black Mirror is an awesome series. I'll do maybe a television series sometime this year. Um, Like my favorite TV shows and like what I took from them. But... Fuck man. Bandersnatch sucked so bad. It's like an interactive movie, and if any of you guys have done it, there's like so many it just sucks. I can't even explain. It's not worth explaining. So those are my top ten uh, movies of the decade. And I learned a little bit from each one. Towards the ending, I didn't really I wasn't really learning lessons. I was more learning how fucked movies could become. But like what do you learn from midsummer? Well, you know what? No. I learned about *Midsummer* because and if you're in a relationship and you just don't fucking get along, or you just can't seem to... Like, the characters in *Midsummer*. clearly one of them's in love and the other one isn't. And if you get to that spot, if you're not in love with someone and you just don't agree with what they're saying or you don't want to do what they're doing and you just don't see eye to eye, it gave me a really, like, big realization of, like, fuck, that's really sad. And, like, you got to just pull the Band-Aid. Thankfully, I don't have that. I'm fucking extremely in love with my girlfriend, and I I hope she's the same, but midsummer if you're a fucking relationship person, watch Midsummer, and after that, tell me what you think your fucking past relationships after watching that, or what you could have done differently, because man, if I saw that movie when I was dating someone else, I would have ended it a lot sooner, that's all I'm saying, uh, on that note, thank you guys for watching, please support this TV show, it's a TV show, Please support this web show and uh, support me in purchasing a t-shirt that has my fucking podcast on it. Please, huh? I'm asking in a nice... I'm a good guy. 22 bucks and I'll do free shipping. Look at my pants, by the way. I never really... I don't think I ever got my leg in in the frame. First time in in 2020, I'm getting my leg in here. Uh, I love you all. Thank you for supporting this, whether you listen for... You know, the whole time or 30 minutes, if you don't even hear me right now, then I guess I have nothing to say because you can't fucking hear me anyways. I love you. Have a beautiful Sunday. Oh, and, and man, I'm excited for the Super Bowl.